This show is for every woman who has accepted pain and discomfort as inherent to being a woman or has denied any part of themselves to make it or feel accepted. Women of reproductive age have been left out of a lot of research because our bodies and our hormones are considered too complicated. What is worse is this idea trickles down into education, leaving most women with very little information about how their bodies work. Not only are we not taught how our bodies work, but once you start asking questions, it is surprisingly difficult to find answers. I believe that every woman deserves to know how her body works, to recognize when symptoms arise, and to feel confident in her inner voice. Because the pain, the mood swings, and the hormones are not your problem. They are your body's messengers. So I'm here to confront and change narratives around being a woman, being hormonal, and yes, PMSing. I'm your host, Brianna Viegas, and welcome to My Hormone Rants. Today's episode is part two of my conversation with my husband, Dan. Last week, we talked a lot about how we navigated coping with PMDD when it was at its worst. And today's going to be focusing a lot. As I started to improve those symptoms and really embark on the healing journey, ways that we've had to navigate, you know, coping mechanisms that are still lingering and ways that we continue to work with and adapt to and accommodate each other's differences. Besides the initial relief of like, okay, here's something physical, tangible, something that I can talk about, something that I can explain of my experience or share like different forums and other people's like explanations of it to help us communicate better about what I was experiencing. That was helpful. But other than that, honestly, the diagnosis itself really made things worse for me for a while because there weren't a lot of solutions. The options that I read about didn't feel like realistic long-term solutions. They didn't align with the life that I wanted and the goals I had for my life, like having kids. And so it just felt like, here's this thing you have no control over it. It's happening to you. And it really sort of put me more so even than before. Before I had it, I was constantly trying to like work harder and do more. And then the diagnosis sort of put me in a victim stage where it was just like, why am I even trying if like this is all impossible? So for me, the real shift came when I learned about cycle syncing because that was when it was like, here's actually how your body should look and not just like you should only be experiencing PMS and not PMDD like that wasn't the comparison it was like this is what an optimal female experience looks like and this is what you can do to support your hormones and in your experience and so that was the real shift for me and in being able to talk about it and being able to see the possibility that it could be different Did you experience any shift with that knowledge or was that similar to you to the diagnosis? Yeah, I don't think I realized as much how difficult it was for you not knowing that, not knowing what you could do about it. I think it was kind of just more of the same for me, but, you know, still not really knowing like, what can I do to help? Um, I think over time I started learning small things on how to help and how to communicate better. But, you know, those all just took time. That makes sense. And that's why I think it's interesting where, like, the diagnosis was that shift for you in framing it and, like, having language. But that really led me to just try and control every other aspect of my life. I could control everything else. I could control my schedule. And that's what I did. I mean, I had daily, weekly, monthly planners, like, all this stuff because now I had this clear understanding of when it was going to hit 
um, where before I knew it was coming, but I didn't really have that explicit idea of like, okay, this, these two weeks of every month will be like this. But having that, I went into this sort of like anal retentive, like, okay, this is how I have to front load my work. So in a way, like I had sort of started with this concept of cycle syncing, not in the supporting my body way, but thinking about my work in that way of like, I'm going to front load these tasks to help me get through the weeks that, that aren't working. Um, but then with, with actually learning about cycle syncing, it wasn't, it was no longer coming this place of like, okay, I'm trying to hold something off or I'm trying to within, I'm trying to live my whole life within two weeks of the month. It was like, how could I actually have this optimal experience across the whole month? And even with the PMDD, like what are ways that I can see these transitions and shifts? Because I think the biggest thing that came with cycle syncing was the idea that the optimal experience is for women to have a different energy focus and different at different phases of the month, meaning we weren't supposed to be the same every single day. Because I think that was the biggest comparison that I had before where I was looking at my experience in these extreme shifts thinking that I was supposed to be exactly the same every day because that's how you were. Sort of the standard of what's expected, right? Because our work days are the same format every, every day. Like you just get up and you repeat. And so I had this expectation that my body was also supposed to like wake up and repeat. And it took so much pressure off understanding that like what I was experiencing was an extreme version of those shifts and that wasn't fully healthy. But the fact that my body was showing up differently from week to week was normal. So there were parts of me that were normal. And so this helped me really kind of heal my relationship with my body as well as feel like I had tangible steps to move forward. But the, I mean, the process was still incredibly hard. And we, I started this process when I was postpartum with Claudas. And I mean, I tried a lot of different stuff and tried going off alcohol for a while. I went off gluten. I went off dairy. Like I was trying a lot of dietary things. And was there ever a time where it felt like it was, you know, too drastic of shifts in our home or that it felt hard to sort of get on board with what I was doing? No, for me, those were always, you know, I like try diets for fun just to see how my body reacts. So like taking away gluten, dairy, even alcohol at home were, were never a big deal. I just didn't drink at home. When I went out with friends, I still had drinks or, you know, gluten or dairy. But in the home, I was always like, yeah, if we're, if we're not going to have this at home, that's totally fine with me. And in many ways, like that's healthier <laughs> if I'm only having those things when I am out. It limits my consumption of it. So definitely always felt like you were on board and I'll say sometimes aggressively so because you are very enthusiastic about things. So once I started talking to you about cycle syncing and was like, okay, like these are diet changes I can try or whatever, you were very gung ho and like, all right, let's do it. I'll throw out everything today. <laughs> we're going all in. And so I think one thing that really helped me in that process was you adjusting because that was definitely your initial response but with pushback you did adjust to the idea of like I need to do this at my pace was that hard for you to watch me do it at my pace uh, yes absolutely I think you know like I said earlier if, if I was going to try an extreme diet like you know keto or something it was so easy for me to literally get rid of anything that I couldn't eat at home and just start immediately and just go on about my day whereas watching you and like you know, it'd be like a couple of weeks and all of a sudden you, we'd have like a bag of bagels. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like in my head, I'd be like, oh my gosh, what is she doing? Like she knows she's going to feel terrible. She knows this is going to affect her negatively. Like 
why is she doing this? So, yeah, I think a lot of things like that, like especially like any sort of regression or anything, because you get a bag of pretzels and I'm just like, oh, gosh, like, why? And in the beginning, I would say things and very quickly learn that, like, you had to do it at your own pace. So those frustrations then moved from outwardly towards you to just being inward of being <laughs> like, oh, man, here she goes. But yeah, that that stuff was tough. Just watching you it was like again. That's just us being different in who we are and how we how we do things. But also, I learned to just let you go at your own pace. Yeah, and I think that comes back to that, like having that framing and understanding that someone's trying to get healthy while living with a chronic illness. Because, like, you can't compare yourself. Because if you think about yourself as being you're super healthy, you eat well, you go to the gym, like you feel great in your body the majority of the time. And then someone's like, here, why don't you try this diet or why don't you make this adjustment? Um, That can feel like, oh, yeah, like that's easy. But it's also such a smaller step from where you're currently at. Whereas someone who is then dealing with all of this other stuff and it wasn't just the physical like cravings and things like that, but it was also dealing with a lot of inner work stuff. PMDD had been a part of my identity for so long. And it's like, who am I outside of this as well? And so I think there was just a lot of hurdles. Um, And so along with doing these physical changes, like I ultimately like also went to therapy and, um, you know, took a lot of steps, was constantly reading and trying to sort of navigate like who I am with outside of it. And so I appreciated the fact that you did kind of back off and let it be at my pace because I was also struggling with like I would go off of dairy or alcohol for like a significant amount of time and I wasn't seeing my symptoms get better. And so I would regress of like, well, what's the point of not having these things if I'm not feeling any better? You know, so it was a kind of two steps forward, one step back journey. But I would say, especially in the last year, that's when I saw like the very noticeable shift in like, oh, my symptoms are significantly different, significantly better. I've noticed that huge transformation, but I want to hear from you is what have have been the biggest things that you've noticed? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that there's there's just simply less days where you are more irritable or, or down. I think, you know, like you said it before, it used to be almost two weeks of the month, half the, half of our life, where now it's, you know, a couple days here and there where it's significant. And, and even during those days, things aren't as extreme as they used to be. I know one thing in particular is, you know, I'll make a bunch of like random jokes and not that they're at your expense, but like they can, they can come across that way. And I remember like one joke could literally ruin the whole night. Like we could be having like a perfectly good evening. And I would say like one little thing and then the whole night was gone. Whereas like now, like maybe something like that happens. I mean, I don't make jokes anymore, but. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes you do, or you'll try and make a joke. And I feel like my response now is like, read the room or like today's <laughs> not the day and it's more of like that response like I, I guess I'm still shutting you down but it's not like not our like the day's whole night. over exactly the whole or like you ruined everything so it's, it's a lot less extreme so I think that that's what I've noticed and I even remember like I now notice when you kind of like come off of those days or times even the other day you know the kids are all screaming and you know throwing their fits all at the same time and I look over at Bree and she's kind of just handling it in my head I was like oh wow like she's she's kind of like past that stage whereas like you know a day earlier it was just like all right this is too much like I can't handle all this at once so I've not only noticed that they're lasting less time they're less extreme but 
I can like actually see the difference now, which again, I think that's just time and in getting to know you more and more as our marriage goes on. So yeah, which I feel like now my work is done. Not only (laughs) am I cycle syncing and so in tune with my body, but now you can also notice and I don't have to be like, hey, this is the time of the month I'm in. You're just like, I know. <laughs> I believe that cycle syncing is so much more than fixing your period. Yes, syncing your diet, syncing your exercise, and giving your body the support it needs can do so much for your physical health and your physical experience of being a woman. But I believe that this method is about living and tapping into your full cyclical nature and the strengths and the power that come from acknowledging that side of ourselves. If you want to step into that uniquely female way of living, I'd love for you to join me in the first round of my Cycle Thinking 101 mini course that will give you access to self-paced videos as well as live Q&A coaching with me. If you want to learn more, I will be posting all the information you need in the show notes. I hope to see you there. To wrap up, the last thing I wanted to ask you about or to kind of touch base is you know we've obviously come so far both in our relationship and then in just our experience of the symptoms have changed so much over the years where would you say we are now what are the things that either are still lingering or that you feel like are the next things that we're kind of taking on yeah I think a lot of the coping mechanisms I put up um I've realized in, in talking about this over the past couple of weeks is that I still have a lot of those put up. So when you are in those phases, like I do still shut you out completely. Again, I don't have feelings towards you. I don't want to get any feelings from you because that's going to lead to resentment and anger and things like that. And I realize I still have those. So for example, if you know, you start to have like a bad moment, I'll just completely shut down. And then, you know, if a couple hours later, you're, you're, I guess, back to your normal self, I'm still not there. Like, I still cannot interact with you. And I I noticed that, that like, oh, like, I have a wall there. And, like, my body knows or my body thinks it has to wait till the next morning to interact normally with you. So I think that's still there. I think it's something that I need to work on changing. But I've also realized that my body kind of just does it automatically. That's such a real thing. Like our bodies store trauma. And I've noticed that in ways as well where it's like logically like things are fine or in my brain it's like, oh, like I could just get over this. But like I will feel it in my body because your body remembers, your body stores all of that. And so I think that is just like an extra process and journey to communicate to your body and like tell your body that it's now safe be more open and be more vulnerable in situations Mm -hmm. yeah a couple other things too is i remember a couple weeks back you asked me like you know like why don't you ask for help why aren't you asking for help and then you got to this you know this phase of the month where like just asking you a question asking you for help was 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 met with you know anger frustration and in that moment, it made me realize, like, oh, that's why I don't ask for help. And I still don't ask for help ever because, again, I think my brain and body just seem like, oh, like you can't ask her for help. You can't ask her questions because it's gonna, there's going to be a negative response. So I think, again, something that I need to work on and have been working on is, is knowing when to ask questions, when to ask um, for help. And, and one thing where that's not quite working out yet is I'll wait like a whole month to, to ask like these 10 to 15 questions that I've 
stored up for Brie. And then like, you know, one day when I see she's in a good mood, I'll just, I'll just ask her like 20 questions. And she's like, okay, this is, this is way too much. What, what is going on here? So we're, we're still coming up with methods to deal with that. But, you know, in general, I think getting better at like remembering what I want to bring up I think that's something that's been progress where in the past I would kind of just forget, like if there's something negative that you're doing that I want, I think that we need to work on, I would forget to ask you because I would go to sleep and forget. Whereas now like, yeah, sometimes I keep like a list of things I want to bring up and I will wait um, for a good time to do that. So that's, that's a positive one. I think another negative one is um, just not really being as playful or, or, or or like, you know, making jokes. Yeah. Goofy. You're kind of goofy. Um, but I, you know, I feel like I used to be a lot more goofy and I used to be a lot more playful. And I think a lot of that has just been constantly shut down or it was shut down for so much of our marriage that like, it's just not something I naturally do anymore. I remember noticing like once we had kids, like how playful and goofy and touchy and maybe touchy is not the right word, but like affectionate I am with them that I was like, Oh, like a lot of that's gone or, or like, mm-hmm. I stopped doing with Brie because of the negative reactions. Yeah, and I see that. Like, you're so playful and goofy and affectionate with the kids. We used to be like that. Yeah. So I remember being like that in the beginning. But, yeah, again, if, like, again, two weeks out of every month, anything you say can and will be used against you, mm-hmm. um, you shut that down. And when I think about it, that's where I feel like we're at and that I'm at is, like, how do we start to kind of like learn to trust each other again like now that I feel like I can be more confident that my symptoms are going to be managed or at the very least not as extreme and something that I can much more easily communicate or take some steps to even minimize them further because that's been the biggest thing for me is that cycle syncing has given me the ability to actually trust my body again Um, And I think that's really where we're at is learning to trust each other with that. And that's actually one of my New Year's resolutions for our relationship this year was to work on being that playful version of myself as well. That that to do spontaneous things or be like, oh, wouldn't this be fun? Like, let's go do it. And I shut that part of myself down as well because I would sometimes suggest things and then we'd go and do it. And it would be like the worst experience ever. Or you would suggest something and in an attempt to not have you shut all of your suggestions down. Like I would say yes. And then it would be in a horrible, horrible experience. But now like knowing when is the optimal time to actually be spontaneous or to do some, try something new or what circumstances are going to make that the most optimal. I think that's, that's kind of where we're at is like learning how to lean back in and engage in, in those ways that we used to. Yeah, we have a long way to go on a lot of those things because clearly I still have a lot of those yeah, those coping blocks. mechanisms and blocks put in place and they you know, it's not even by choice. It just it just happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, that's a lot of that inner work of like learning how to release those things and feel safe enough to do that. But I will say I feel a lot more optimistic looking at that list of to-dos of like this will be more fun to work through and this like gives me hope for the future. You just like the thought of fixing me or fixing you better, huh? No, it's not just you. It's definitely still on me as well, but I think it's more it's more exciting to think about us working on coming together more than like having to do so much individual work. The good thing is we got got plenty of time. And what else are we gonna do for the next fifty, sixty years <laughs> of our marriage? Right.
Thank you so much for listening. With all of the things that are competing for your attention, it really means the world to me that you choose to be here. If you want more great episodes like this one, subscribe on iTunes, follow on Spotify, or wherever you listen. And if you want to learn more about me and how I can help you stop normalizing your symptoms and start optimizing your experience, head to briannavegas.com or find me on Instagram at Coaching. You've got this.